All right. All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Well, that was an interesting time. Uh, just when you say you've seen everything, uh, you've seen something else time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown coming to you from Jacksonville, Florida, where Tennessee, uh, just a couple of hours ago, polished off a uh, an interesting Interesting Gator Bowl win, but most importantly, a Tax Slayer Gator Bowl win, 23-22 to over Indiana. Tennessee uh, sort of dug itself in another hole uh, that it shouldn't have done, and the Vols did that. But then, Patrick, the Vols, uh, the Vols, Vols scored twice in 30 seconds late in the fourth quarter and walk out with a win that is um, sort of difficult to describe other than the fact that I think I said it, it, it encapsulated four months worth of football in less than four hours. Yeah, I, I think Jeremy Pruitt said it best after the game when he said uh, that they Tennessee did a lot of things to lose this football game. You look at the the penalties, the two interceptions. Uh, Pruitt talks about the, the middle eight of games a lot, which is the final four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. Tennessee was, was minus 17 in that moment. Um uh, in that stretch where they had the uh, had the ball chance to, to build on a six nothing lead that already should have been bigger in the first half, uh, have an interception giving Indiana three points right before the break. Uh, Indiana comes down the field, goes on a drive. They convert a couple third downs. Uh, they have a second twenty, I think, and get a big play, uh, go and score, and then there's the pick six, and um, it, it looked pretty bleak there for from that point on. Once it was sixteen to six, Tennessee's offense was doing nothing. They switched quarterbacks, uh, went from. Jared Garantano to Brian Maurer, it didn't go, uh, didn't really pay off. They went back to Garantano, two straight three and outs. It was, uh, it was not looking great. And then at the end, Tennessee just digs, uh, they dig to another uh, another level. Uh, they find something uh, deep and and just you know find a way to to kind of grind out the uh, the win here. Uh, at the end, of the, the highlights are actually coming on the television that we've got on mute in this uh, in this hotel room. Um, and so uh, we're actually seeing the, the comeback now. And um, you got to give credit, uh, you know, to, to this team just kept fighting. This team, like, doesn't know when it's supposed to be dead. Uh, a lot of people left them for dead at 1-4. A lot of people left them for dead tonight. And we're making uh, pretty wide sweeping generalizations about the direction of the program based on this one kind of one-off game. But uh, they just kept playing, kept playing, uh, and held on there at the end, even though Indiana still, even after Tennessee scored to go up, uh, by a point, Indiana still had a couple of chances, and uh, you and I were on the field after the game, and I just like this this game, like this season, sort of just it sort of just defies logic. It, at some point, it's just kind of hard to to really explain what we've seen, uh, not only in in this game here in Jacksonville, but also you know really this entire season. Yeah, and, and I think I I just saw where I think FBS teams were something like. Oh, and four hundred and thirty-seven, or something, this season combined went down by uh, down by two scores with a certain amount of time on the clock. So, just an, an absolutely miraculous comeback in in a way. You know, it, it's weird that Tennessee spends so much of the evening doing so many little things wrong. You know, you you talk about a couple of interceptions that shouldn't have happened. Uh, you talk about four offsides penalties, I believe, in the game. Uh, just some some crucial breakdowns in the red zone that this team has struggled with all season long. 
and Tennessee did so many easy things wrong. And then by doing that, they put themselves in a situation where they have to do a lot of big things right late. And then they do most of those big things right. That was one of the, the more beautiful onside kick, you know, I guess, what would you say, onside kick chances that I've ever seen uh, from a college team. Uh, just absolutely flawlessly executed. Uh, got there right at 10 yards. Eric Gray, who else, re- recovers it. Uh, Paxton Brooks deserve all kinds of credit uh, for that kick. It was spot on the money in, in a clutch situation. And, and then Tennessee has to execute twice, you know, offensively to get the ball in the end zone there and does that both times. And, and then even after that, Pat, you know, you talk about some of the easy things Tennessee does wrong, like uh, went into what I thought was maybe an interesting defensive look there on Indiana's last drive. Uh, gives up a couple of plays right there. Indiana's knocking down the doorstep. I mean, the the, the kicker who missed the 52-yarder uh, is an all-Big Ten kicker, and, and he's a guy who had the leg, uh, you know, to clearly had the leg to go make a big kick. He just, you know, missed that one to the right. Uh, but then what does Tennessee do? It, it, it gets a stop. It, it finds a way, you know, uh, Elante Taylor comes through there, and then Daryl Taylor polishes him off. And a guy who, Peyton Ramsey, who, who may have been the best player on the field, not named Eric Gray in, in this football game, they couldn't get him on the ground all night. But when they needed too late, what did they do, Pat? They got him on the ground. It, it, it's frustrating in a way because this team is so difficult to understand at times uh, because it does so many small things so poorly but then when it needs to do big things it, it it's finding a way to do those things and until you i'm kind of a fake it until you make it guy tennessee does not right now have a roster that should be competing for an sec east championship it's not to that level they're trying to build toward that uh, but at some point this program stopped learning how to win games and now it's figuring out how to win games again and and that to me is really important and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the third segment, but but in terms of just this game, um, just found a way to win. You know, Jawan Jennings isn't out there for the first half, uh, so what you know, Ramel Keaton goes up there and pulls down, pulls down a big catch, uh, and he did that earlier this season, I believe it was against either Miss State or South Carolina. Came up with a big play down the sideline too uh, in that game, and, and you've got Tyler Bird stepping up and making a couple plays in the first half. Uh, you, you know, they just they find ways to get things done, and. That's so important because that's something that, that this program had kind of forgotten how to do, and now they're they're kind of starting to do some of those things again. And this game, I think, was a really good example of that. Yeah, and it was kind of, uh, as we mentioned, it was uh, it really kind of encapsulated the season. Uh, just, you know, uh, a show of resiliency in the face of, uh, and Pruitt said this after the game too, you know, you find out a lot about yourself and, and about a team when you when you run into adversity and, uh, he he noted that Tennessee inflicted a lot of adversity on itself, and I think that's that's absolutely the case both in this game and uh, for the entire season. But um, that's you know you talk about a winning culture. That's that's what you you know you find ways to win games when you don't play your best and when you uh, you, you make mistakes and get outplayed for stretches of games. And uh, we have a, a show that we like to watch, and, and one of the, the lines from the show is they don't ask they don't ask how they ask how many right. Um, and Tennessee right now, you know, they went eight and five this season. They won eight games. They've won six in a row, seven of eight to close the season. Um, you know, they're, they're, uh, and a lot of those wins were like this one. They kind of just found a way. They kind of just grinded it out. Um, gritty, you know, all, all those kinds of, of adjectives apply to, 
what this team did this season and in, in this game. And um, it, it and I, I will echo what, what Trey Smith said after the game. I'm sure we'll talk about his situation here in a minute. But um, he said it was a fitting way for this team to, to end. And, and he said it was a special team and, and one of his favorite teams that he's been on. So, um, and, and now, um, like I said, I, I think it's it was the way – uh, you know, if there was a, a weird way for this team to go out, this was the weird way, and, and then and this is the way they this particular Tennessee team went out, and um, it, it was it, you know a pretty big celebration there with half of uh, or not even half, most of East Tennessee in the stands there in Jacksonville. Great showing again from Tennessee fans. We have to point that out. Um, it really, it really, I don't want to say defies logic, but you just you know we keep saying, hey, you know, Tennessee's got a crap ton of fans here it's like uh you're not surprised but then again you're like you're almost nodding your head like okay respect because you know they've been through a lot and, and they were put through a lot in this game and um probably took some years off y'all's lives but in the end they got the win and and took and are taking home a trophy yeah you know the expression like uh the, the face only a mother could love like like this th- this football team may have been the team that only a mother could love you know it, it was even when it played better, it wasn't necessarily beautiful football. There was, you know, there there are so many different ways to win, and and the prettiest way is is the the most enjoyable way. Uh, but there's something oddly satisfying about kind of having to grit your way to a win, and, and really to kind of grit your way into being better as a football team. And, and I think another example of that is. is you know, a guy who still remains as polarizing as any Tennessee player I can, can remember in a long time, Jared Garantano, uh, a guy who we've talked about ad nauseum this season. We talked about everything he's been through. And, you know, for, for a lot of that game, Pat, we're sitting there thinking, you know, it's so Tennessee to have one of the better comeback stories in all of college football this season kind of flame out and crap out in, in a bowl game like this. Because Jared Garantano is healthier than he's been in a while. Uh, he's got more backing from the locker room than he's had in, you know, in a while. Uh, he's got pretty much every, even some of the fans, you know, most of the fans I would say had gotten back behind him cautiously, but we're kind of like, okay, you know, it's the best they got right now. So let's go. And, and then he goes out there and, and maybe long layoffs just are not his thing. Uh, maybe Juwan Jennings not being out there in the first half uh, in, in some ways kind of got him off to a rough start, um, but he just did not play very good football for, for most of this game. You look at the numbers, and other than the two picks, which is kind of like saying, aside from that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? But 18 of 31, 221, those two picks, they're not good. Um, but he's a guy who lost his job during that game for a bit, just like he lost his job during the season for a bit. And, and Maurer comes in, and, and I understand the frustration people had with why Garantano went back in the game. But I said this at the time, and I'll say it again now. Maurer goes out there and throws three passes. Two of the three, if not all three, could have been intercepted. Maybe at least maybe one or two of them should have been intercepted. And he does some good things, but he's also he's excitement in a bottle, uh, but he's also kind of a disaster in a bottle because it just seems like he's always on the verge of doing something either really, really great or really, really bad. And if you're Tennessee in that situation, you're Jeremy Pruitt, you're watching this unfold. You're thinking, you know what? I got months and months to look at this thing going forward. But right now, I've seen number two play his way out of situations like this. And Maurer is out here looking like he's going to make another mistake at any point. 
I'm just going to go back to Garantano and I'm going to see if he can kind of guide this through the game. And he made some throws late in the game. You know, he made some good checks at the line of scrimmage. Uh, he kind of kept his composure, kept his calm. And I know that a significant chunk, if not a majority of Tennessee's fans, would like to see a different starting quarterback next season. Uh, and we'll have tons of time to talk about that throughout the offseason. But I understand exactly why Jeremy Pruitt went back to Garantano. And I think it paid off. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's kind of the same story that has been all season um, with Garantano, and you know, he gets pulled, and uh, again, I don't, I don't think you can criticize that decision. I think Garantano warranted getting pulled. He wasn't playing well. Tennessee was Tennessee was stuck in neutral, um, and and they bring Brian Maurer in, and putting Maurer at quarterback is the equivalent of getting on a roller coaster. You never, you know, you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to, you know, flips and turns and all those things. Uh, so you better hold on, um, you know, and, and, and while Garantano got benched, we're over there, one, you know, we're up there wondering, is this going to get the portal talk back going again and all that kind of, you know, stuff that's just kind of ridiculous, you know. But, you know, and Pruitt said it after the game that, that Garantano has thick skin. You know, he, he's been through it. He's been kind of leathered up, if you will, from, from everything that he's been through. Uh, he understands situations. He understands that he, you know, when he's not playing well, he understands it. And, and Pruitt said that, um, you know, when when you're not playing well, you're gonna, you know, we're gonna sit you on the on the bench, and that that goes for everybody. Nothing's earned, um, and and it's gonna be that way, um, really this off season when when Harrison Bailey gets in there. I know a lot of people are excited about him. Um, it's it's too bad we're not gonna get to see him play in the uh, All American Bowl this weekend in San Antonio with an injury he's dealing with, um, but. Um, you know, you add him to this mix, and, and nothing's going to be given. You know, I, I do think that um, until proven otherwise, Jared Antonio is going to give Tennessee its best chance of winning games. Um, now he might make you do things that want to throw your phone at a wall, um, and, and you might, you know, within a, a three and a half hour span, find yourself cursing him, and then find yourself saying, "What a you know, what a great you know, what a great tough guy with a great arm." All these things, you know, it's just kind of that's just kind of how he is. He is what he is at this point. Everybody should be kind of understanding that he can be somewhat frustrating and somewhat uh, erratic at times, but uh, he, he's got something that, that you know, uh, it's like Pruitt said after the game, he, he was good when he needed to be at the end, uh, and that's been the case for the last six games. I mean, they don't win all of these games without the you know him coming up and making some plays uh, in timely moments, and has he played perfect in all those games? No, but he, he's played winning football, and he's done enough to get Tennessee over the line, so... Um, moving forward, he that's you know that's going to be the way that kind of the way it is at quarterback. They're they're going to have Garantano, and until someone comes in and proves otherwise, that, that they give Tennessee a better chance of winning, he's going to be kind of their guy. And I think that that Pruitt uh, kind of has confidence in, in Garantano, and he said it again tonight uh, after the game. And and again, that that confidance has been sort of paid off by the way that that Garantano's performed and gotten Tennessee in the win column. Yeah, I think there, there's – before we step away for break here and, and talk about, you know, some other things, I, I do want to mention just a couple of other things from this game. First off, Josh Palmer, as I mentioned earlier, stepped in uh, and I think did a pretty pretty nice job looking at, you know, obviously with with Jennings out for the first half, you know that Callaway is going to get a lot of the attention. Uh, who wouldn't do that? I mean, they tried to take a couple deep shots to Callaway. He was double-covered quite a bit. Uh, 
uh, in Indiana mixed up coverages. They kind of kept talking this big game about playing a lot of man and, and press and all this stuff. They were in zone for, for a lot of the game, it looked like to me, and, and, and were kind of dropping back and, and giving Garantano some, some tough decisions to make and uh, doing some pretty good things there, kind of kind of just doing a pretty decent job overall on defense. Um, but I thought Palmer uh, had, a, had a good game. Uh, I thought that uh, – I know he got beat once uh, late in the game uh, for, for what could have been a big play, uh, but I think – uh, freshman safety Tank McCullough is a really good football player, and I think he had on, on the balance of things overall. I think he had a really good ball performance. I, I think that kid had seven tackles, made a couple of big plays, uh, and I think uh, when you're losing someone like Warrior, you know I know you're getting Trayvon Flowers back next season, and, and and there's some other good things to feel good about with the way these guys coach uh, and the way these guys recruit and evaluate talent on the back end. I think Pruitt and Ansley are really good, especially in that area, and, and so I think that that there's reason to to believe that even though you're losing kind of a big fulcrum piece like like Warrior, that that you've got someone like McCullough coming in who I think could be a really good player at Tennessee. So so that's big. Obviously, we've talked ad nauseum about Gray, so we don't need to mention too much more there. But I just – I really – he really kind of caught the eye tonight. And you look at him and you look at Toho Toho and those guys that are kind of freshmen, they'll be sophomores next season. For the next couple of years, I think those can be really kind of big building block foundation pieces on Tennessee's defense. Yeah, and, and I want to say something about Gray uh, and – I think tonight confirmed even more that the Vanderbilt game, first of all, wasn't a fluke. And, and Eric Gray, I think, is Tennessee's best running back moving forward. Uh, I think he's the guy. Can he be a 25-carry a game every week in the SEC? I don't know. Um, you know, We'll have to see what Tennessee does at that position uh, with some of the guys they've got coming in. But um, you know, we, we see a play early in the game where Ty Chandler gets a run, gets through the hole at the second level. And if he makes one guy miss, if he makes the guy that tackles and miss, it's a big play. It might even be a touchdown. Yeah, yeah he's, he's really fast, and, and Gray gets in the game. He gets a similar kind of play, carry through you know through the left side of the line. They ran a lot to the left. Obviously, who wouldn't if you got Trey Smith over there? But um, he gets through the line and just sort of makes a, a cut. It's not, it's not even really like a cut. He just sort of you – know, it's kind of hard to describe. He has this, just kind of this way about it, the way he runs. And there were two, kind of two guys there that, that had a chance to kind of get a hand on him, and they didn't even come close. And um, Gray's just got this ability to sort of just cut. He's a really good one-cut-and-go guy. Um, if you have a play kind of going – if you're going off right tackle and he sees a cutback lane, he's put, foot in the ground, gone. Um, and I thought I thought Tom Allen, Indiana's coach, had some really nice things to say about Gray after the game. said he's a special player just the way he runs. Um, and I think you saw that, that tonight. And uh, these last two games of the season sort of showed what – what Gray can do, and if he can get, you know, he can make his game a little bit more well-rounded um, with, with some of the things he can do in terms of pass protection and those kind of things. He could be a really nice piece for for this offense moving forward. Um, but some of the Pruitt said after the game, I do want to point out. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about this week. We've been a lot, uh, Wes, about these the senior class, this outgoing group, what they've meant, what you know, kind of what their makeup is. And, and Pruitt says there's a lot of guys in this freshman class that that are kind of of that same mold. And, and you think about it, you think of a guy like Gray, you think of a guy like McCullough, Henry Toa Toa. Uh, some of these guys are, are look like they can be sort of leadership, you know, leaders, face of the program type guys. I mean, you got three of them right there with, with those three. And uh, even like Forrest Crouch gets in the end zone. Uh, Juan A. Morrison Darnell Wright played most of the game at left and right tackle uh, and, and didn't have many egregious errors that I noticed from my very far away vantage point. But you know, Roman Harrison is you know for the second straight game. I don't I don't think they great I don't think they credited Harrison with the sack. Maybe they did. Uh, I think it probably should have been Henry's, but 
Uh, that's neither here nor there, but you know he pops up with the play. There's a lot of pieces to feel good about. Obviously, Tennessee's losing a lot, and we'll, you know, I think we're going to talk about what the future is for this program and what this what this game means in that sense. But uh, there's some there's some freshmen that were out there making plays tonight too. Ramel Keaton made some nice plays in the first half, so you're seeing flashes of what this future could be, and uh, and this will continue. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if this this win will help Tennessee win any games next season, but it'll keep the feel good factor going into the off season and and. Uh, certainly, there will be a better taste in everybody's mouth uh, this e- this offseason than it was last season when Tennessee really kind of faltered down the stretch and lost those last two games the way they did. And I mean, need to mention this, too, before we step away for break, uh, because we're not going to mention this in the final segment, but uh, Watt Fillier is a really good football player, Indiana's junior slot receiver. Uh, he was a 1,000-yard player, and he was a 1,000-yard receiver despite missing one game in the regular season and missing – practically all of another game. So he basically missed two games and still was a 1,000-yard receiver. That's a good football player. Uh, that guy in this game tonight had negative 10 yards on four touches. So Tennessee just completely took what most people think is Indiana's best player out of the game. And, and on defense, that's that's a pretty good job. If you're Tennessee and you know going into it that Juwan Jennings only gets to play half uh, and he's only going to end up with, with 27 yards on two catches. Uh, how can you respond to that? Well, you can take basically Indiana's Jawan Jennings and you can hold him to minus 10 yards on four touches. So a uh, really good job there by Tennessee, all those guys uh, on the defensive side. I think they made a couple mistakes in the game, but but they, uh, they made a lot of big plays that kept Tennessee in this game and, and kept Tennessee from kind of being down – even more than it was later in the game. So we got plenty to talk about. What we're going to do, guys, we're going to go take a quick break, uh, pay some bills with ads and products, services, in-house ads, all those other fun things. We're going to come back, and you're going to hear from Tennessee football coach Jeremy Pruitt and Eric Gray. You're going to hear their thoughts on the game. And then we'll take another quick break after that interview, which is about maybe, I don't know, 8, 10 minutes. Then we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back again after that, and you'll hear these two exhausted voices uh, right here uh, speak about maybe what this game means for Tennessee moving forward because obviously there's not going to be eight months without Tennessee football game so there's plenty to discuss and we're going to get to some ads right now and uh, come back and you're going to hear from Pruitt and you're going to hear from Eric Gray hashtag hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You know, first off, what a what a fantastic ball game. Uh, the players on both teams, the way they competed in the game. Um, you know, I can't say enough about Indiana, Coach Allen and his staff, and what a, a great job that they did. Uh, you know, and, and then you look at our guys. You know, it took 60 minutes, but our guys continued to scratch and claw and uh, just kept trying to find a way. And, you know, we kind of changed some things during the game a little bit on both sides of the ball, um, just trying to find something that was working. Um, and offensively, we got um, the drive going there in the fourth quarter. We scored there. We get the onside kick and punch it in in three plays and kind of held on um, the entire, you know, the rest of the way there. But if you look at the way the game went, um, we probably messed it up as about as bad as you can. Uh, for the middle eight, 
you know, of the game. You know, we get the ball with three minutes and 36 seconds to go in the second quarter. Um, got a third down there. We turn the ball over. Results in three points. You know, Indiana gets the ball to start the second half. They convert several third downs there. You know, we have them in a second and 20. They make a good call. We don't play the screenplay correctly, and you know, it turns into a second and one. And they just kept, they just kept, you know, whether it was running the football or or getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands. Lots of empty, lots of uh, adjustments in the game. But you know, they score there. We tie. Pops a a return there. You know, you think we're fixing to get a little momentum and. You know, then we throw a pick six. So there's there's 17 points that didn't go to the good guys. You know, in that stretch there. So, um, but our kids kind of kept on fighting. Our coach has done a really nice job, and our fan base. You know, our fan base. Uh, all the orange was there um, when the when the clock struck zero. That was there when the game started. And we can't say enough about our fan support and, and what they mean to um, everybody associated with this organization. Awesome prize football quest. Jeremy, does this game just not kind of epitomize this team, just the fight that it's had all year? And Eric, a year ago at this point, you're getting ready to play in the, the game down in San Antonio. In these last two games, you've had such a huge impact. Just kind of talk about that growth. You want me to talk about yeah. it or Eric? Both. Um, well, I, I think you're right. You know, you really, you really don't find out a whole lot about yourself um, or a team until you face adversity. And we faced a lot this year. Uh, a, lot, a lot of it was self-inflicting, but still it is what it is. And, um, you know, I really think the, the assistant coaches on our staff, um, because the men that they are uh, and the character that they have, I really think the team kind of, you know, took on their personalities, uh, stayed the course, uh, you know, uh, looked in the mirror and said, how can I improve? Uh, how can I be my best? Uh, didn't wasn't looking for excuses. We owned who we were, um, and worked hard to improve. And I think that's uh, says a whole lot about our assistant coaches, everybody associated in our program, and, and the players on our team. You know, no quitters on that team. Yeah, I agree with Coach Pru. What he said um, earlier in the season, he brought us all in after a game and said. We're going to turn it around after this. This is the last time we're going to turn it around, and we all bought in. We all bought in, and we said we're going to put on more steam. When we face adversity, we're going to put on more steam. And that's exactly what we did, and it's a great way to finish. Blake Tom. Blake Tom, Knoxville News Central. Jeremy, why'd you decide to, to do the off, off onside kick in that situation? And then, Eric, can you take us through that play from your perspective? Well, there's. I think there's four minutes and 34 seconds to go. We got three timeouts. Um, it was something that we felt was there, um, you know, when we we're breaking them down. And and as the game went, we felt like it was there. We've probably repped it five or six hundred times over the last six months. Uh, had confidence in our players, uh, so just felt like we needed to do it there. Uh, and Paxton, you know, laid down a great kick, Eric. You know, we got three guys that's going to block the three returners, and we got two guys getting the ball. And, you know, Eric timed it right, and it was a great kick. So, uh, wasn't much they could do based off how they were aligned. Yeah, that's a big testament to Paxton. Like he said, um, we've practiced it over and over a thousand times. We just never ran it, and we saw that look on film 
um, all week. We saw that look when they uh, backed their guys up and the hole was there, and I'm just glad I caught it when it's 10 yards. Coach, back in the middle. You talked about this, this game kind of reflecting what the season has been like for your team. What about for Jarrett on a personal level? You yank him in the third quarter, and he comes back to lead two touchdown drives in the final seven minutes. Just What does that say about him to kind of reverse that mojo? Well, it's, you know, I played for a high school basketball coach. You know, if you if you shot a shot and you missed it and you wasn't the first one back on defense, he took you out of the game, you know. So um, I learned at an early age, if I was going to shoot it, I better at least get back fast on defense, right? So I, that's the way I look at it at quarterbacks. I mean, um, Jared didn't play good. You know, I have lots of confidence in him, but he didn't play good. And if he don't play good, we got other good players behind him. You know, um, we put Brian in. Um, Brian didn't play good. You know, probably through three plays, it should have been intercepted, and they kicked the field goal, you know. So it's part of it. Nobody's entitled to anything around here. We have to earn it, earn every bit of it. And um, Jared knows it. Um, Brian knows it. Everybody that's associated with our program knows it. So. It's a performance-based a performance industry, and, and uh, we got to perform, and, and Jared performed pretty good uh, when he came back in there, you know, and we needed him to. Craig Green with Florida Times, Ian for Eric. Um, on that play, um, have you fielded onside kicks before? How many onside kicks experience do you, how much onside kick experience do you have? Well, in practice, I feel like I've had like 500 reps. <laughs> the onside kick because we repped it so much, but um, I'm just glad that I caught it when it was 10 yards. Jeremy in the back here. Uh, just kind of follow up on, J on JG. When you decided to put him back into the game, did you have kind of a conversation with him about kind of wiping the clean slate? It, it, kind of take us through that decision uh, and then maybe some of the, the conversations you have with Jared before him inserting him back into the game. Let me tell you, Jared's, uh, he, he's got thick skin, okay? Uh, he's been through the wars. Uh, he knows the expectations that we have that he has for himself, you know? So sometimes as a quarterback, um, it helps to go over there and watch it from the sideline for a couple of series, you know? Maybe you see a little something that you didn't see before. You kind of gather yourself, get your composure, um, you know, figure out, you know, what I need to do to play better, and that's what we did. It's, it's really no secret, you know, and uh, when the game was on the line, that's who we wanted in the game, you know, uh, and, and you know what? He came through, right? He came through like he has the last six games. Uh, Coach Trey Wallace, Fox Sports Knoxville, can you talk about just this senior group that, that you'll look back on in a couple of years from now and uh, Talk about their play, and especially over the last six to seven weeks, it just seemed like y'all y'all hit a switch. Can you talk about that, especially with this group? You know, I I think everybody um, that's been coming to the games, they they see what kind of football players these guys are. These guys all had phenomenal years. Um, you know, what I like to say is is what I think about them as people. Um, you know, when you talk about uh, trusting somebody, you know, these guys are easy to trust because they're dependable. Uh, you know, you can count on them. Um, they have character. Um, 
They represent the university and themselves, their family in the right way. Um, they're really, really good football players, um, and we're going to miss them, you know. And these guys are they're going to have an opportunity to, to play some more football, and I hope they get to play for a long time. But I'll never forget them. I'll never forget them because, you know, they hung in there when they didn't have to. Uh, they hung in there when it wasn't easy to do, uh, which says a whole lot about them. Coach, Will Brown with the St. Augustine record. Earlier you discussed uh, how your assistance grew throughout the season. Um, how would you say that you grew as a coach during the season that started inauspiciously and finished with a win in January? Well, one thing, you realize you don't have all the answers. Uh, you know, fortunate enough, I've been fortunate enough to hire really good staff, um, you know, and, and using these guys. You know, there's lots of good coaches on our staff, uh, you know. So uh, probably delegating, letting these guys, you know, starting with, you know, defensively, letting Coach Ansley and Coach uh, Rump, Coach Cher, Coach Rock, uh, kind of doing their thing on defense and kind of just helping them along the way, not butting in, letting Jim and T and those guys do it on offense. So, you know, offensively, I got a lot of really good plays to run after the play's over with. You know, so it's probably not a whole lot of fun to be on that headset, especially the first three quarters tonight. Coach Marshall Hughes, WATE, you got a freshman MVP here and obviously a bowl game win. How much can a win like this, especially the way it ended, how much momentum does that take into the offseason and into next season? You know, it's, um, it's something for these guys that are coming back. Uh, the example that the, the seniors that are leaving here that they've set, uh, most of those guys have graduated. If they hadn't graduated, they're going to graduate soon. Uh, you know, so first off, doing the right things, you know, academically, uh, which is something that's important to everybody in our program. Uh, you know, but we're, we're excited about the future of our program because of guys like Eric Gray, you know. You don't have to spend a whole lot of time with Eric Gray to figure out that he's made the right way. You know, he's got he's he's got the right stuff inside of him. You see it out there on the field. Just hang around him or hang around him a little bit off the field. Uh, you'll appreciate him that much more. Jimmy, uh, I guess a, a couple things. One on that onside kick is that were you tempted at times earlier this year to try that same kick? You said you've been working on it for a while. With her times in other games where it, it kind of popped up into your head. And, and the other question was about Jalen McCullough. I know you haven't seen film yet, but it looked like he was kind of all over the place today making plays. Well, I'm kind of a go-for-it guy, you know. I look at myself a little bit as a long shot, um, you know. It hadn't been that long ago I was coaching high school ball, lining off the fields, washing the uniforms after the games and things like that. And, you know, now I'm the head coach at the University of Tennessee. And um, so, you know, you, you, if it looks like it's there, you might as well take it. It's the way I look at it. So um, that's kind of the way we coach, you know, rather get them before they get us. How about Jalen? You said he was all over the field. Good See, one. that's the thing about coaching. You know, I, right before I walked in here, I told him, I said, Jalen, I don't remember much except him catching that ball on you right there at the end. <laughs> You know, so, but now Jalen's a guy that, much like Eric, um, high character, uh, winner, uh, competitor, tough, smart, um, 
you know, these guys have a lot of the same qualities that these seniors that just walked out the door, and that's the type of guys that we're looking for in this program. Jeremy, when you uh, when you look back at you talked about looking back at the senior class, but this freshman class, did you anticipate them being as ready as they were and, and the kind of the progression? Eric, uh, Henry, obviously, uh, Roman made a play, play tonight, got to the quarterback. You have several guys that are out there making plays as <coughs> freshmen. You know, we <clears throat> when we recruit, there's certain uh, criteria that we look for for critical factors for every position, but uh, probably the most important thing is the makeup. You know, who, who are they? You know, um, what kind of student are they? Are they a leader? Uh, do they got character? Are they dependable? Um, you know, and that's something that, you know, that we have questions about when it comes to recruiting everybody. And, and you know, we feel like that we've recruited some really good student athletes in this past class. The last question. Coach. Right here, Marshall Hughes. Uh, we saw you after the game. Uh, Lean over to Jawan. He's grasping that trophy, and he asked for a picture. Looked like he didn't want to give the trophy to anybody else. What has your relationship been like with him throughout his career and your career so far at Tennessee? And I want to ask Eric, being from Tennessee, choosing to stay at Tennessee, now an MVP of a bowl game in your freshman year. Just how do you sum up how this season's been for you? Can I talk about Jawan first? Yeah. Uh, so the first time I ever met Jawan Jennings, he comes in my office and, and we're going to decide and, and create a plan to see if he's going to be able to get back on, on the team. I think everybody knows it's pretty well documented. But anyhow, so we, we lay out a, a plan and it's, it's a pretty tough deal. There's lots of things uh, and Jawan done absolutely every bit of it to do it. But by the time he left my office, he was trying to negotiate uh, what position he was going to play. And I said, dude, you're not even on the team yet. All right, so let's just see if we can make it to this first thing before we start talking that way. But that's that's the way Jawan is, you know. He's always in there trying to represent. Um, for me, like you said, coming from being a Tennessee boy and uh, being here at Tennessee, it's been unbelievable. It's been an unbelievable journey. I fell in love with the place early. Um, I, you can't. You, it's something I dream about. It's something I dream about as a kid playing college football, playing in a bowl game, being MVP. It's, it's been amazing. I just want to say all glory to God. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you may or may not have heard just a second ago. As always, we appreciate uh, the people who listen to those commercials. You're not contractually, morally, ethically, spiritually obligated in any way, shape, or form uh, to do that. Uh, but we appreciate the people who listen to them. That helps us at CBS Sports, helps us at Go Vols 24-7, helps us at 24-7 Sports. And who knows, uh, it might even help you. You might hear some great deal for something that uh, you need to uh you you need to you need to jump all over. Patrick Brown and Wes Rucker coming to you here from Jacksonville in our 
uh, what's basically been our house for the past week here <laughs> in Jacksonville at a, at a hotel just a couple of miles away from the stadium there at TIAA Bank Field, where Tennessee uh, defeated Indiana 23-22 to in a rather memorable Tax Slayer Gator Bowl performance. Uh, we talked a lot in the first segment about that game in particular, and in the second segment you heard from Jeremy Pruitt and you heard from Eric Gray and their thoughts on the game. And now I think we need to talk, Pat, about kind of what this means going forward. And listen, here's my take on bowls. I'll just say this straight away. If you are not playing in a college football playoff game, I don't think the results of of bowl games are, are all that crucial. You know, I think they're not meaningless. They are relevant. You'd rather win them than lose them. You'd rather have good momentum than bad mojo going into the offseason. But I don't know how much – they matter in the grand scheme of things. And what I mean by that is I've seen Tennessee blow the doors off some people in bowl games, get a whole bunch of hype going in the offseason, and then completely lay a dud the next year. I've seen Tennessee get embarrassed in bowl games, uh, come back a year later and win a national championship. So I don't know that, that they matter all that much in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but when you're in a, in a position like Tennessee's and you're trying to rebuild, uh, every win is important, every win is valuable, every win is something that can help you move forward. Uh, but here's where I am on this, Pat. From what I saw from Tennessee, uh, even during this this six-game winning streak, we need to say a couple things here. This is just my opinion. One, credit to Tennessee for figuring out ways to win games uh, and for growing a bit of a spine, a bit of a backbone, and, and for getting some mental toughness back in the program. That's good. Uh, the bad is that Tennessee still has – roughly 11 million miles to go before I think it, it really can compete for an SEC Eastern Division Championship. Before you even think about beating those beasts in the West, winning an SEC title, if you're Tennessee, you got to think about getting back to the top of the SEC East. Uh, and, and that's easier said than done with the way Georgia's recruiting right now. Georgia's recruiting at an, an otherworldly level, just added Darnell Washington, the, the five-star tight end who Tennessee badly wanted and had a chance to get. He's going to go to Georgia. Georgia, when it's all said and done, might end up with the nation's top signing class again. Those guys are on a roll uh, recruiting again under Kirby Smart and those guys. Uh, and we know Dan Mullen is awkward, and we know that he's never going to win the offseason, but we know he's a hell of a football coach, and he's going to have a good team out there every season. He did it at State. Uh, he's going to do it especially with the resources he has down in Gainesville. So Tennessee, I think this season, Pat, did a really, really good job of establishing itself back above the SEC East seller right? You took care of Vanderbilt for the first time in a while. You took care of South Carolina for the first time in a while. Uh, you kept beating Kentucky, which was important. You found a way to beat Missouri. So if you're Tennessee, you've positioned yourself back, at least for now and probably for a little bit, if we're being honest, back above those teams, right? Uh, but if you're Tennessee, you need to be competing with Georgia and Florida. And from what I saw, even in the second half of the season, Pat, I think Tennessee still has a long ways to go there. I just, I just do. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't. I think most people would hear you say that and say, "Yeah, I agree." I, I don't, I don't. I haven't seen any, <clears throat> any evidence that suggests that Tennessee is close to arriving, um, and it's not going to be. Um, you know, they're going to have to break through and beat one of those teams. They're going to have to break through and beat Florida or Georgia um, to be able to say that they're in the mix there. Um, are they ready yet? We don't know. We got to see what next year's teams look like. We have we don't really know what what it's going to look like. There's still some moving pieces there, some moving parts to uh, what next year's team and what next year's coaching staff is going to look like. So, um, but this was this was the step that that I think Tennessee needed to take. And I think if you had uh, gone in, if, you know going into the season, if you'd have said 
Tennessee would go eight and five, win a bowl game. I think a lot of people would have taken that just on, on its face, on, on the surface. So, um, and, and like I said, it's, it's not going to be, uh, built in a day now. Um, my stance on, on recruiting more or less is that Tennessee doesn't necessarily have to recruit with Georgia because there's, you know, there, there are a few teams right now that are recruiting an entirely different galaxy than everybody else. Uh, Georgia's one of those teams. Alabama has been one of those teams. Clemson's one of those teams. Ohio State is one of those teams. Uh, I don't even – LSU this year. Um, I don't even know that, that Tennessee's recruiting in the same zip code as the Texas A&M or even a Florida necessarily. But uh, I don't know that Florida has a particularly strong recruiting staff. I think Tennessee just needs to be around where Auburn is. Uh, I know Auburn just lost their bowl game and everybody's out on Gus, all that, whatever. Uh, Auburn recruits well enough. They're around 10th like every year without fail, 10th, 11th, 9th, around there. And that is good enough most years to get them competitive with Georgia and Alabama. Auburn is sort of like Tennessee in that they have to play Georgia and Alabama every year this, uh, the way that the league is set up. So Tennessee needs to build to that point where uh, they have enough talent to be competitive on a given Saturday with those those vaunted teams. Um, another team I think they need to be around is Florida, just because I think Florida, uh, you should be able to, to kill it at Florida recruiting wise, but you don't, you know, the way Dan Mullen is, he's always done less with more. Um, they can be in the 10, 12, 15 range, Florida and, and, and compete there. Florida right now is, is, you know, the, the Georgia's the, the speed bump they got to get over. So if you're Tennessee, I still think you are maybe, um, Maybe one more recruiting class away. I do like this 2020 class. I think it's really solid. Um, and, and what's interesting to me about this team as we sort of shift towards the offseason is obviously how do they replace some of these really important guys, um, these seniors that have been really uh, instrumental in uh, the way this team has, has sort of turned this, uh, turned the 2019 season around, and um, they've, they've sort of helped establish what the expectations and what it is to be uh, in this program from a you know a daily standpoint, how to practice, how to prepare, how to win. Um, that that's where uh, these guys have been so important. So you, you look at next year, how are they going to replace Juwan Jennings and Mark West Callaway? Uh, if Trey Smith goes to the NFL, they're going to lose their best offensive lineman. They will be getting Brandon Kennedy back. We know that for sure. Uh, he he told reporters after the game, and uh, we confer- we, conf- we confirmed it through Tennessee that he has gotten his sixth year and, and we'll be back. So uh, that's good news for Tennessee's offensive line. We'll see what happens with Trey Smith. I think it's, I, I would be surprised if he came back, but I don't know. He's made a decision as I'm sitting here at this point, but uh, you know, what do they do with the other linebacker spot? Um, you know, what do they do with, you know, replacing Nigel Ward? They've got a lot of, a lot of big pieces to fix. Uh, and I think where Tennessee needs to continue and, and what they need to do now is, is get some of these, difference makers at the key position. They need a difference maker at quarterback. They need a, a wide receiver. You know, we saw with Georgia, uh, with George Pickens in the Sugar Bowl. I mean, that guy looks like he's going to be a nightmare for everybody in the league the next two, three years if he can uh, if he can sort of stay on the, you know, stay on the path there. So um, it's going to be tough. I mean, you look at Georgia, I mean, they pretty much punk Baylor for a lot of that game, and we're missing about a dozen guys and multiple starters. So, uh, they've got it rolling. Florida's in a pretty good stretch right now. We're, we're mulling. You know, they they don't do it sexy, but they win games. They're always going to be good on defense. Um, and it's tough. you got to play Alabama every year, too. They're not going anywhere. Um, 
But I, I do think Tennessee has some building blocks. I really like this freshman class. I think they've got some real potential difference makers in this group uh, that could take the, the next step. Um, and I like what Tennessee has done in the trenches. We have to see what happens with the coaching staff. There's already been some talk about there about what's going to happen there. Uh, we'll see what happens with David Johnson. He's been the one that's been mentioned the most. We've gotten a lot of questions about him if he's going to Florida State. I don't know. It could happen. It might not. I don't think Tennessee wants to lose him, but, you know, Johnson worked with Norvell uh, at Memphis, so uh, there's obviously that connection there. So, um, But that's sort of the, the thing about college football is that every offseason, you know, this was, the, this was the end of the chapter, the end of the book for this particular Tennessee team. In a few days, whenever they start, you know, I think they'll have a few days of downtime, and when they get back for the start of the spring semester, new team. You're right in there. Workouts, they'll have a few new guys in the early enrollees. Um, and, and you start building towards next year. And, and I, I, like I said, I, I like a lot of these guys in this freshman class. I think they can sort of um, – and there's some other guys too. It's not just the freshmen. But uh, there's some guys on this team that can sort of take the mantle and, and sort of be the, the dudes, if you will, the alphas of, of, uh, of Tennessee's football program that, that some of these outgoing guys have been and been so important in, in that role. Yeah, I'll say a couple things on a couple of those topics. Firstly, I'll, I'll, I'll say about Trey Smith, I, I think that, that – if I had to guess right now, I'm leaning slightly toward Trey Smith leaving. I'm not totally on the he's definitely gone train right now. And I can tell you this, more importantly than what I think, I can tell you with 100% certainty that Jeremy Pruitt thinks he still has a chance to convince Trey Smith to come back. Uh, I, I think that there are a lot of people around Trey Smith who are smart people. Uh, I think that they understand his situation is a little bit unique because of the health factor and you know, does he need to maybe try to get while the getting's as good as it's going to get, you know, so to speak. I think that there's an argument to be made there. Uh, and I also think there's an argument to be made that if you come back and you play a second full season at Tennessee and, and you show again that your your health is not an issue, then you have a chance to play yourself higher into the draft. I think right now um, I think some of the feedback that Trey Smith has gotten has indicated somewhere between a – uh, as high as second, as low as a fifth-round draft pick. And, and then, you know, he could go get some more red flags at, at, at the combine stuff, and, you know, it could go downhill. Or, you know, it just takes one team to love you, and you could go higher than that. You know, he's obviously uh, an outstanding person. He's really good in the, the community. Uh, he's someone that people rally around. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's something to be said for, for the upside there too. But I think the bottom line is Tennessee is feels like it is in – it maybe has a, a bit of a – bit of a go here to try to convince him to stay uh, but I don't think uh, I don't think Trey Smith has 100% made up his mind yet uh, and I know for sure that Tennessee thinks it has a chance to convince Trey Smith to come back because I, th I think the coaching staff legitimately thinks he could help himself by coming back so we'll see there's a lot to discuss there and on the second point I'll say this uh, with David Johnson uh, there are people at Florida State who feel like they have a pretty darn good chance to get him now does that mean it's a done deal no as of the time we're recording this which is uh, basically, um, well, I'm trying to think of the polite way to say this, uh, butthole o'clock, basically, uh, here Eastern Standard Time uh, here in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, before we get on a plane here in a few hours. But I, I think that there are people at Florida State who feel like they've got a chance there. Norvell and, and, and Yak have a, they have a relationship. They go back. They work together. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you're David Johnson, you need to think good and hard about going down there because it's been a tough go of things for Florida State lately and Tennessee uh, for all its struggles in the past 
12 years or so, looks like it's heading in a better direction. And obviously you saw last year with the way he recruited in Memphis uh, that he can be a big asset for Tennessee in that way. So, uh, you know, you never know. Uh, everyone's got their own reasons for doing things, personal, family, whatever they are. Um, but I'll put it this way. I do not expect Tennessee's coaching staff to come back 100% intact next season from the way it is now. Uh, in this day and age, I just don't believe that's a thing that happens. That's just not how it goes. Uh, Tennessee's got some young coaches who are good, uh, you know, guys like Brian Niedermeyer who are going to be uh, sought after uh, every year, basically, uh, until proven otherwise. And, and a guy like Derek Ansley, who, in my mind, is definitely going to be a head coach one day. I don't know when it's going to be, but I know it's going to happen at some point. So he's a guy who, in theory, I think he's enjoyed being back in the college game and he'll stay in the college game, maybe he wants to be a college head coach. Uh, I think he's a guy who you have to keep an eye out for uh, just because you never know uh, how crazy. I mean, let's look at it this way, Pat. You know that now the Cowboys, um, you know, could could go in and, and really wreck this whole thing if they hire a college coach, uh, you know, or someone in one of those other NFL teams goes in there and hires away a coach from a, a big time college program. That starts a domino effect that that could lead to carnage everywhere. So you don't really know. But I will say this also: Jeremy Pruitt has proven the past two years that he can hire good people. Uh, and Tennessee has proved that under Philip Fulmer, it will give Jeremy Pruitt the budget to go hire good people. So no matter what happens there, I think Tennessee is going to be okay. Uh, but moving on about the team, here's what I think. I think it is human nature for people to get excited about the players that are coming in, and it's easy, on the other hand, to forget about the guys you have to replace. And Tennessee doesn't have a huge senior class uh, in terms of, of numbers, um, but it's got some really heart and soul good leaders and some really good football players that are in that group. You know, uh, Jawan Jennings and Marquez Callaway, not going to be easy to replace. Daniel Batuli, not going to be easy to replace. The way Nigel Warrior has been playing, not going to be easy to replace. Uh, say what you will about Dominic Wood Anderson, but when you look at compared to what the other tight ends are right now and where he is, he's going to be hard to replace. There are some guys who are going to be Daryl Taylor. You know, what's Tennessee going to do to rush the passer next season? You know, Roman Harrison's a guy coming up through the ranks. Uh, some Tennessee coaches are, are pretty high on Kevon Bennett. Uh, they're recruiting okay there. So they have options, but they're also having to replace a lot. And, and I think this is going to be an interesting season in a lot of ways coming up because here's the other thing. Tennessee has got to get better, more consistent play at the quarterback position if it wants to be a team that goes to the next step. If you want to be a team that's going to win double-digit games, you need to have two things. You need to have either really, really good quarterback play or you need to be so good everywhere else that it doesn't matter. I don't think in the next year Tennessee can get to a spot where it's going to be really, really, really good enough everywhere else to win with a mediocre quarterback or an average quarterback. Tennessee needs above average quarterback play in order to get to that next level. And I don't know uh, if Jared Garantano can do that. We'll see at his best. He can do that, but how consistently will he be his best? We don't know. Uh, Brian Maurer is a kid who is just fantastically gifted. I mean, this kid is a really good athlete. Uh, he can, he can throw the ball, spin it beautifully. Uh, he's obviously not afraid of the moment. He's not afraid of anything really to a fault perhaps. Uh, but he's a guy who, if, if the pieces all come together for him, man, he could be an exciting player. And J.T. Shroud's a guy who you like to have in your program. He's a guy who probably has the best arm of any of them and is a guy who, we forget this, was still a redshirt freshman this season. So if he stays and develops more, hey, you never know. 
And then Tennessee added what a lot of people think is a stud quarterback in this class in Harrison Bailey, one of the most highly t- touted, you know, drop back passers uh, in the high school game this season. All American for a reason. A guy who added a little bit of running to his game this year, too. So uh, there are some options there, but someone has to emerge from that pack. Tennessee has got to get better at quarterback because for a significant portion of that game that we just saw and for significant portions of other games this season, the quarterback position has held back this team. And I, I don't I don't want to put too much on any one player because I don't believe in that. Football's the ultimate team sport. But you got to be better there than Tennessee was for a lot of this season. I don't, is that unfair to say? I don't, I don't think it is, but – Maybe it sounds harsh, but I think if Tennessee wants to get back to a team that wins double-digit games, a team that competes in the SEC East, you're right. You don't have to recruit exactly at the level that Georgia and Alabama and Clemson are. Uh, you just have to evaluate well. You have to have a system, recruit to it, uh, and you got to coach guys. Uh, but you've got to be better at quarterback or be so good everywhere else it doesn't matter. You know, you could be like a McElroy or one of those guys at Bama who, you know, McCarron in some ways, guys who were maybe not great quarterbacks, but there was so much around them, they were they were still a good team. So Tennessee's got to get better there, I think. Yeah, I, I think they, at, you know, first stretches maybe did get the kind of quarterback play that they need. Um, but they need it more consistently, and they need, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that anybody's arguing that, but um, – where are they going to be good at moving forward? Is, is you kind of talked about it? Can they be good everywhere else? You know, and, and Alabama's the example because until Tua, they really kind of had solid to okay quarterback play, but they were so good everywhere else that it didn't matter. You know, it's not. Uh, I used to think that, or I used to say that playing quarterback in Alabama was the easiest job in college football because you pretty much had to go out there score 21 points, and you've got, I mean, you, you know, look at what they had this year at wide receiver. They've pretty much had that throughout Nick Saban's entire tenure. Um, and that's, you know, that's really impressive what they've done. Uh, I think Tennessee will continue to be strong in the offensive and defensive lines. You know, the defensive line should be a strength next season. With They've got everybody coming back right now. They'll get him in good and back. Um, you know, you got a good situation at corner. I think Alante Taylor started playing a little bit better second half of the season. Bryce Thompson is pretty good. Sh- Sean Schamberger had a couple nice plays in the first half tonight, an interception uh, and a sack. So you, you've got some pieces, and I think Tennessee will always be solid defensively. They, they've got too many good coaches on that side of the ball right now. Uh, and I thought, you know, with, with Pruitt and Derek Ansley kind of running the show, and, and, and Ansley, it's Ansley's defense. He calls the plays. There's no that, – that's something that Pruitt talked about after the game was talking about something he learned from – his first season going into this season is the importance of delegation and not trying to do everything on your own and trusting the guys that you hire. Uh, and he mentioned Ainsley, he mentioned the guys on offense, he mentioned the rest of the staff. So, um, you know, I, I think Tennessee, they know how to identify and evaluate good players do, uh, on that side of the ball. So I think Tennessee always will be good on defense with, with Jeremy Pruitt. And, um, you know, can they get, as you mentioned, the quarterback playing, can they be consistent on the offensive line and can they have the game breaking guys? Can they get more, uh, Eric Grays and Juwan Jennings and guys that that just go out and and, and other teams can't stop them. Um, you know, uh, for a lot of the season it was Jennings, uh, and in these last two games it was Gray who really, you know, Gray had 120 yards from scrimmage tonight. I think they should have thrown the ball to him more on some of the uh, out of the backfield. It looked like he was open a few times, sort of on that checkdown. So um, you know, they need more guys like that, more weapons, and they need to get because this is a quarterback play, and, and I don't know that they're there yet. I think they need to maybe get a few more guys in, maybe 
uh, probably the next class because you know, the 2020 class is just about done and dusted. We'll see what they do with the final few spots. But, um, you know, it's, it's part of sort of the process of building this program back to being able to compete with the best teams in the SEC. And uh, Tennessee is getting there. They're, they're working their way towards that. And um, I think there's been sort of instilled in this program sort of a sense that every day that you don't get better, you get worse. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's something that's been established in this program. And I think uh, some of these guys that are coming back have, uh, are going to take what uh, the small group of seniors that are going to leave some pretty big voids. I think they're going to be able to sort of continue that on. And, and talking to Jalen McCullough after the game, he said there's a huge responsibility for, for those guys to kind of carry the mantle on and, and build upon what uh, these seniors have helped this particular team do. So, uh, again, I, I'm with you. I think bowls are kind of one-off games. You know, you're playing it a month after the end of the regular season. Uh, you don't play again for like nine months, and the team that's going to play again in nine months is not going to be the same team. Um, that's the thing with, with college football is your roster changes. It, you know, so it, it's sort of a one-off game. I don't, I don't know that uh, the result either way to, uh, in Jacksonville is going to be a referendum on the direction of the program, but um, – I think it was a fitting in for for this particular team, and, and uh, it should kind of be, um, you know, it should continue the feel-good factor and be a sort of a springboard. It should, you know, this team and these guys should like like the feeling of success and, and let it drive you, let it let it motivate you throughout the offseason so that you win every game, and that's, you know, that's every team's goal every year. Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty good place to leave it. We we've got a ton to discuss. I mean, that game, you know, we we've probably forgotten already ten huge plays in that game just because everything was so crazy there for a while. So the, the, there's going to be plenty to discuss. We're going to have a full off season for that. But before we step away, I just want to say a couple things. One, uh, I really appreciate everybody tuning into the podcast this week. I know that when we're on the road, uh, the sound quality is just not quite the same as it is when we're in the studio and all those things. So. Uh, we apologize, but but there's really no way, way around that. When you're working across the country, you kind of got to do what you got to do to bring people news and bring people podcasts and things. So uh, we appreciate everyone listening this week. Uh, we appreciate uh, our families, as always, for letting us be uh, away for a week and not causing too much distress. Uh, you know, it'd be nice to get back, although I, I think I get back and then turn around immediately and go to Missouri. So uh, just in a couple of days, that's just it's that time of year. Uh, and obviously with Tennessee basketball, there's going to be a whole lot to, to discuss there over the coming weeks too because uh, this go be coming in there uh, can he help that team can that team help itself a little bit uh, can it find some ways to do some things so there's plenty to discuss we will have plenty of time to do all that but for right now uh, i think that we should probably just wrap this thing up thanks for listening guys as always you can find all of us on social media i'm west rucker 24 7 on twitter patrick brown is p brown 24 7 on twitter grant ramey is grant ramey on twitter and ryan callahan is ryan callahan 24 7 on twitter if you want just tennessee news if you want nothing else if you don't want me posting a bunch of puppy pics and talking about the cubs uh, and their miserable season last year uh, and, and you don't want pat talking about john morant and all those other things that he does you just want tennessee news you can get that at twitter.com slash go 24-7 or facebook.com slash govoss 24-7 or go to both of them. Ramey does a great job running our Facebook page. Uh, you can always see some good things there. Or if you want that that delicious East Tennessee mountain spring water directly from the source, you can go to govoss247.com 
where we will definitely have uh, some good promos coming up in the next month, uh, building up to the traditional signing day, uh, which isn't quite the early signing period now, but there's still some spots out there and still some, I, I think, some pretty darn good prospects Tennessee could go get. So there's plenty to discuss on all that. Uh, we will get to all of it. And uh, if you go subscribe to our site, you get access to CBS All Access, which is great. It's all the CBS shows that you love. Uh, everything from the archive opened up commercial free. Uh, that's a $100 annual value. There's also movies on there. Uh, there's all kinds of live sports on there, SEC football. Uh, there's NCAA tournament. Uh, you'll get the UF Champions League here in a little bit. Uh, you know, all kinds of podcast stuff too, World Series of Poker stuff, new movies that rotate in every month. It's a $100 annual value that we're just putting in your pocket, no strings attached, nothing like that. So go do that. Uh, if you don't, it says more about you than us. And, and really, I would just rather say nice things about y'all, but, but you got you to gotta earn that. Pat, any final thoughts? No. 